Welcome to the WMKT Week in Review. Hey, welcome back to the WMKT Special Edition Interviews. I'm Nick Rudy, your host. Thanks for joining me today. We have a special guest on today, Kevin Rinke. He is running for governor. He is a Republican in that crowded field of, well, it was 10. Uh, Michael Brown, the state police captain, actually dropped out of the race. So officially, there is nine. Still a very crowded race. I had Kevin on. He uh, kind of described what separates him from the rest of the uh, the field of Republicans and his qualifications and just a little bit about what he believes. So I hope you enjoy. So uh, the first one, what are the main reasons or reason that led you to run for governor? I, Nick, I, I, I love this state and I love the people of the state. My family's history goes back to the 1700s, actually, before the state was a state. And um, it's our roots. I, I, I've watched and I've learned about Michigan over the years and how it has contributed to our country and so many innovations, so much technology, so much talent has come out of Michigan that um, to see it where it is today, faltering and failing because of lack of vision and a, a lack of leadership what um, was enough to get me up off the couch. Sure. Uh, so the the Republican race for the primary is very crowded. So what separates you from the rest of the candidates in the field? Um, I, I think that the governor's job is really a chief executive job. And um, it, it may sound mundane, but... It, it's absolutely possible to have a skill set that you can apply to governance when you're the governor. And that's a strong private or strong public business background. When, when you have signed both sides of the check, when you have been able to touch people, employ them, help them create an opportunity for them to be successful in and for their families to be successful, it, it goes a long way towards managing what is the business of the state. And, and we've got a $78 billion a year business to run in Michigan. What differentiates me, Nick, is the fact that not only the size, but the scope of the business that I've participated in. I, I've had private auto dealerships that our team grew to be some of the largest in the world. I've been able to participate with two public entities that were both Fortune 250 companies and automotive retailing and services and continue to be top performers on the stock market today. I've participated in two healthcare businesses. One is a principal and another is a vice president, both of which did, which grew to be the largest in their segment and one the largest in the country all creating opportunities for people, making families better, communities better. So I think that's how I'm different. It's um, the other candidates are great and, and I respect them. They just simply don't have the amount of experience. And when you're a business guy, um, it adds up and it shows results quickly. During COVID, 18 of the top 20 states were run by Republicans as far as their economies and what they delivered for their citizens. 
But what people need to know is that there's a new type of politician coming into the field. And that's the business person. Because 16 of the 18 Republican-led states first-time elected business leaders that are creating great results for the people of their city, uh, their city, their states, and their, they're doing good work. And um, I believe that's how I'm different. Sure. So I guess leading towards the business, more even more financial aspect of the race, Whitmer has a very large war chest, uh, financially speaking. So if you win the primary and you're running against her, how would you seek, how would you be able to compete with her? Well, I, I, I put up $10 million of my own money. And um, I, I put that up to invest in the people of Michigan, to invest in a message that I believe resonates with the people. We've had, without having a fundraiser, citizens of Michigan go online and contribute over $350,000 to my campaign, a dollar at a time, because they like what they hear, they believe what they hear. And no different than any other political campaign, when I am the winner of the primary, I believe that I can bring the Republican Party together that the Republican Party, as it unites, understands that financial commitment is a part of this process. And I've got a great team, Nick, an unbelievable team of dedicated people that are going to help us reach out and and do all the right things. And, and we're coming after Gretchen, and we're going to beat her based on her record with the same amount of money or with whatever money we've got, because at the end of the day, Details are going to matter, and she's failed this state. So the last couple of governors in Michigan have had their version of a scandal, and with Whitmer, it was COVID. How, to what degree did you disagree with Whitmer and her administration's response to the pandemic? Well, I, I think that it was apparent right from the get-go that Governor Whitmer was auditioning, not for the job of governor, but but for the job of vice president. And when you mix political science with medical science, it affects people's lives. We had senior citizens that should not have been returned to nursing homes. And some people died because of it. And her administration fudged the numbers of deaths trying to cover up that mistake. We had small businesses that were closed, not because of medical conditions, but because of a political strategy that the Bidens were trying to implement in their attempt to become president and in her attempt to become vice president. Many of those businesses will never open again. Families were crushed. She used the government to pick winners and losers at the expense of the people she was sworn to represent. And I take exception to that. Uh, there are issue after issue that show that her administration has failed the people. You, you look at the money through unemployment, over $12 billion that was passed out incorrectly or fraudulently taken with no accountability. You, you look at issue after issue 
the, the children's educations, their mental health. These were all choices, and it could have been and should have been done differently, Nick. And we should have taken a rational approach, a, a step back and get all the information approach, and then thoughtfully protect our most vulnerable, thoughtfully protect not only our children, but come up with a way of in-class and in-person learning that wouldn't have set them back educationally or emotionally, mandating to the people of the state vaccines, social distancing, and lockdowns is autocracy. That's not what our government is about. She practiced virtue politics and split the people in Michigan like I've never seen. And, and correspondingly, like our country has been split by Joe Biden with his actions as well. We all deserve better. A little bit more about COVID. There's an upcoming debate at the Mackinac Policy Conference. One of your opponents, Ryan Kelly, has uh, declined to participate due to the uh, policy requiring conference attendees to show proof of vaccination or a negative COVID test. He's encouraging his fellow candidates um, to boycott the debate. What is your response? I'm going to attend the debate. And I disagree with the Detroit Chamber's position vehemently. We don't require vax cards. We don't require mandates in a free society. But I'm going to be at Mackinac. I'm going to carry that message to Mackinac. I'll have the bully pulpit and the Republican gubernatorial candidates were not required to get a vaccine to participate in their debate. I'm going to use the chamber's own conference to point out the hypocrisy and the elitism that's being practiced by their actions and demands. It's not right, and it shouldn't be mandatory, in my opinion, for participation. The uh, the Michigan Elections Bureau released a report that based on their investigation, five Republican gubernatorial candidates did not file enough valid signatures and should be disqualified from the election. The candidates did not include your name, uh, but they're James Craig, Perry Johnson, along with Donna Brandenburg, Michael Markey, and Michael Brown, who has actually since withdrawn from the race, as it was reported earlier today. Uh, what's your response to those findings and Brown exiting the race? Well, my initial response is this. I'm really proud of our team because they looked at everyone's signatures. And my wife led our signature campaign, and they didn't challenge or reject that I'm aware of a single signature in our submission. I think that the election cycle and process has rules, and they have responsibilities and accountability issues that need to be adhered to. And I'm pleased that our campaign is moving forward. And I think that the election commission and the secretary of state need to follow the rules that are in place for everybody. And they'll come to their own decision. A little bit more on uh, about you and your uh, what you believe. You're a proponent of eradicating the state income tax, which um, Neil Frisky, who is running for the 107th state house up here, is also a proponent of. Why would you like to do that, and how would the state make up for the, that loss of revenue? Great question. See, what, what people have been convinced of 
is that we need to make up for a loss of revenue. So here's some facts, Nick. If I give back the people of Michigan $12 billion, cut it right out of the budget, you know what we have in Michigan? The largest budget in the history of our state, pre-COVID, by over $8 billion. You see, in four years, Michigan government under Gretchen Whitmer has grown over 30%, and it's grown 50% in the last 11 years. Michigan's government's out of control, and it's not delivering. But take it a step further. When I give the people back their money, they get to choose how to spend it. Gretchen Whitmer talks about kitchen table issues, and she's not recognizing the fact that in Michigan, because of decisions she and Joe Biden have implemented across this state and our country, the kitchen table is empty because of the rise in the cost of living. The kitchen is cold because of the rise in the cost of living. People are having to choose between feeding their families, heating their homes, and and these were avoidable. These are avoidable decisions. The quickest way to combat that is to give the people back their money, let them make the choices that are going to influence their family the best. And right now, as as we sit here, it's over $400 a month in increased expenses. It's far outpaced any increase in income from a wage perspective. Inflation's at a 40-year high. And I'll tell you what, there's dark clouds on the horizon economically, not only for our country, but for Michigan, if we don't get this under control. And there's a whole bunch of things that a governor can do to help. And I'm looking forward to doing that for the people of Michigan. So a little bit more about the state's financial situation, the, uh, you know, even beyond income tax, saying that you'd like to give that $12 million, $12 billion back to the people. The uh, the Republican-led legislator and uh Whitmer are currently fighting over how to spend the state's uh, fairly large surplus. Um, If you were elected governor, how would you go about spending the surplus? Would you look to give that back to the people of Michigan, kind of how Whitmer and the Republican-led legislators trying to do? Or are you more of like, well, we don't need to spend this money per se and maybe save it for a rainy day? How how would you go about uh, using that surplus? Well, I, I think that part of the, the growth that we've had in government is the fact that politicians think that they need to spend money instead of invest money. And you go category by category right now, and people talk about we're spending more here, we're spending more here, we're spending more here. And yet the accountability factor and the results are not being shown to the people of Michigan. Our roads continue to decline while she said fix the damn roads, while we have record spending. Our school public education continues to decline while we have record spending with zero accountability and and zero strategy that is a citizen of the state that I can see to fix it. And, And we can go on and on and on. So I believe this that we have to, Nick, look at the budget 
and go department by department. There's 660 departments in the state of Michigan. And we start to need to say, if we're gonna spend money, how much and what are the measurable results that we're gonna get and be able to provide and articulate to the people of Michigan. And if we can't show a tangible result, we're gonna either eliminate that department, we are gonna reduce spending, until they can come up with a plan that proves value for the people. We can't just keep spending. The um, If you look at a, a large national level, both parties, to an extent, are a bit split. Um, you might argue the Democrat, Democratic Party on the national level is a bit more split at this time. However, in Michigan, it seems like Whitmer rules the Democratic Party with an, an iron fist, and the Republican Party, especially in Michigan, it's kind of split between the never Trumpers and you know the the MAGA wing of the party. You you mentioned that you would try to unify the Republican Party, but how would you go about that with at you know with tensions at an all time high? Well, I, I think this that the Democrats look at AOC and the squad. They have their issues as well, and and there is dissension even in the state Democratic Party. I think that Gretchen Whitmer has done. Uh, a, a better job of quelching that dissension publicly. And the press has contributed to amplifying or magnifying the discussions that have occurred between the Republicans. But here's what I do know. Every Republican in Michigan wants to defeat Gretchen Whitmer. Here's what I do know. The people of Michigan are suffering and they are dissatisfied with their government and they are looking for somebody who can provide them a result and someone who understands that you represent everyone in Michigan, not the far right or not the far left. In doing what's right for the people can and will prevail and can and will influence their vote. So. We're going to put a target on the Democratic Party, and we're going to go factually based, and people will get a chance to look at the results that they're receiving. Are they better off today than four years ago? Are they happy about how COVID was addressed in the state of Michigan? Are they pleased with their children's education? Do they like the fact that we're losing businesses and we're losing citizens at record numbers? Or do they want something different? And that's how we're going to beat Gretchen Whitmer. That's how I'm going to unify the party with a message that resonates with a focus that they haven't seen from the Republican Party in a long time, all based on real results, not rhetoric, not character assassination, but actual performance and the ramifications of her actions to the people of the state of Michigan. That's how we'll bring them together. You spoke to your qualifications about the, the, the business aspect of being governor for like a more of a social question. Uh, you've already had a very open stance on being pro-life. People have watched the, the first gubernatorial debate um, or have just been following your campaign. So I'm not going to necessarily ask you that angle of the question, but Whitmer has gone directly to the Supreme Court to attempt to get rid of that 1931 abortion law and the uh, a judge in Michigan has issued an injunction that has 
basically froze that law as well. Are you, as a pro-life Republican, worried at all about the possibility of that law being overturned and it solidifying legal abortion in the state? Or are you more focused on your campaign and what you can do after you are in office? Well, I, I, I think that it's two separate issues. Number one, we all anxiously await to see what the decision of the Supreme Court will be. And that returns to the states the rights to the citizens of a state to decide where we're going with this, okay? I, I, I'm proud to be pro-life, and I happen to think that adoption is a choice as well. I don't know, and I'm not going to speculate on something that doesn't exist, but I do know this, that Kevin Rinke is pro-life and Gretchen Whitmer is purporting abortions 28 days after birth based on some of her statements. And that doesn't work for me. I don't believe that works for the people of Michigan. And um, that that's where we're at. No, it, 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 the thought of aborting a baby 28 days after birth is hideous to me. Hideous. Absolutely. And I do not believe that the people of Michigan are in favor of that. We've mentioned uh, roads a couple of times in the uh, past couple of questions. How would you go about fixing the roads? We, we've got a problem because you, you have a number of factors that now are in effect. One, increased costs to fix the roads based on what's happened with our economy are up 30 to 40%. Number two, we have regulations that are choking the ability of the road workers to make significant strides forward because they're limited on the hours that they can work and their access to cement plants and asphalt plants. Number three, we need to streamline and come up with roads that last versus roads that fall apart every five or six years so we can start to get traction and reduce from 42% of our roads in declining, which are scored as unfavorable or in bad repair. Right now we're spinning our wheels, literally, and damaging our wheels. And, and the process that this governor and is applying to fixing the roads isn't gonna solve the problem. There's regulatory issues, there's manpower issues, there's contracting issues, and, and there are structural engineering issues that are gonna require very difficult decisions to be implemented to show and to prioritize roads that will start to give the citizens of Michigan relief. And I don't believe that this governor and her team are capable of accomplishing that, certainly not by their actions to date. A little bit more you know, roads, cars, uh, towards the car angle. How do you foresee the uh, electric vehicle manufacturing industry that's kind of starting to take root in Michigan? Do you see that as something that's helpful? Well, I think this, 
that there's going to be an evolution as there has always been in the automobile industry. I, I think that we need to be very careful in Michigan and across the United States enforcing a government subsidized evolution or revolution of our auto industry. And things that people need to realize is that Michigan's losing its middle-class manufacturing base with this electric push. It requires less workers. It's going to have less plants. And candidly, Michigan's infrastructure is not set up to have a net gain of manufacturing facilities. If, if, if we get, currently, I think there's nine major programs that are being bid. Michigan has been unsuccessful in all but one of the programs. And the cost of the one program was literally significant, uh, $169,000 per job to maintain it, not to win a new program. Michigan only has two sites available in a whole state that qualify for a big manufacturing complex to come in and take root in Michigan, which would provide quality jobs. We have a work ethic issue that is a huge problem when it comes to the number of days that Michigan workers take off or call in sick versus states like Kentucky or Tennessee or Indiana or even Windsor, Canada, which just yesterday received another new plant that Michigan lost out on from Stellantis, the second one in a month that Michigan lost out on. See, at the end of the day, the problem is this. This governor wants to focus on, oh, we just saved this plant. What she's not telling the people is the net loss is we've lost over 80% of the opportunities that we should have been prepared to act on. And another failure because of a lack of business understanding and what it takes to appeal to these major corporations and the process that Michigan forces people through. We're overregulated, we're overtaxed, and we need our workers to step up and be willing to do the job better than anyone else in America. And you know the beauty of it is? I believe in our workforce. I know that they're capable of doing that with proper leadership and understanding the issue. So this electric vehicle deal, is not good short-term or mid-term for Michigan. And people keep forgetting, how do we get electricity? Oops, it's fossil fuels, folks. And our grid system can't support our homes and our businesses today, and yet they, they want to spend government subsidy to put in more demand on our grid system, which requires more fossil fuel burning at the same time, they're raising prices for things like gasoline that are negatively impacting the people. We're, we're getting a, a, a bunch of malarkey thrown at us, and it's not working. The, uh, and, and people need to hold this governor accountable. Your previous answer to that question might have partially answered this one, but the Michigan population has been declining over the past few years. Why do you think that is? It might play a little bit into you know, the loss of manufacturing jobs, but why do you think that is, and how would you seek to uh, kind of rectify that? 
Well, I think that a governor needs to create an environment for the people that they lead to be successful in. And that was the reason and the rationale behind me proposing to eliminate the personal income tax, 4.25%. There's nine other states that have eliminated the personal income tax. States like Florida, which are growing at 1,000 families a month. Texas, growing at 1,000 families a month. Nevada, growing. Wyoming, growing. Tennessee, growing. While Michigan continues to contract. We have to have an environment that attracts well-educated, high-income earners who are more mobile today than ever before. And, And that's the first step. The next thing we have to do is start to eliminate regulations that strangle businesses, and we need to implement some flexibility in our services that we provide to big businesses as well as small businesses within the state so they can remain competitive and viable to serve our state and to serve our country. So um, I, I, I think that that's really the answer. And make no bones about it. If we lose manufacturing and businesses in Michigan, we lose our state. We become a ward of the federal government. And that's the way we're headed right now. We're, we're starting to look like California under Gretchen Whitmer or New York under Gretchen Whitmer. And it needs to stop before we can't stop it. Sure. Just to localize this a little bit, you've been up to northern Michigan a few times if elected governor, what is an issue that Northern Michigan voters have brought to your attention that you would seek to fix? I, I think that the issue of line five comes up across the state consistently. And people in Northern Michigan recognize that it is a safer way of transporting oil and fuels and propanes to lower the cost for people in Northern Michigan. That it is not only safer, but it creates 33,000 jobs over eight years directly involved with the pipeline. And that the spinoff of that 33,000 high paying jobs will create hundreds, if not tens of thousands of additional jobs in existing businesses because demand will be up. It will lower the cost of living for things like 5G, propane, electricity, natural gas, fuel oils, projected at 28 to 32%. That's significant. And I think that's a first step that the people of Northern Michigan are looking for a governor to take to get behind it, to make sure that this pipeline is built correctly, safely, that it protects our environment just like it will, and that brings value to the people of Michigan. And you know the beauty of it is? Enbridge is paying for it. And Michigan gets it when it's completed as an asset. And they get to choose how it's managed. This is a huge win for Northern Michigan. Sure. Um, there's a uh, upcoming debate in Traverse City. Do you want to tell us about that? Yeah, I, I'm excited to have been invited, and I'm looking forward to participating. Um, 
there's going to be some great candidates on the stage. There are issues to be discussed, and there's contrast to be made, not only between the Republicans, but between Republicans and Gretchen Whitmer. And I am confident that I will differentiate myself not only between the really, really good people who are also running for governor, but show people in Michigan that there is a difference and that that difference will benefit them dramatically when I assume the governorship. Sure. So the uh, to wrap up the, uh, the interviews, I always offer the uh, person I'm interviewing some time to tell voters um, something that's on their mind that they would like to get across. So is there something that you would like to address uh, the people of northern Michigan? Yeah, I, I want the people of northern Michigan to understand that I love our state and I love the people and the grit and the determination. And this is an opportunity for me to serve them, for me to give back to the people of Michigan who have given so much to my family over the hundreds of years that we have been here. And it's, um, this is an opportunity and there's a drive in me to do what is right, not to be a politician, but to deliver for the people of Michigan and to make Michigan not just an okay state, but the best state in America, the number one state in America with the proudest people and the best reputation and the best government, which knows how to serve the people versus forcing the people to work for government. That's what I hope they understand. Kevin Rinke, thank you so much for coming on today. Really appreciate your time. Thank you. We'll look forward to talking again.